0: Thank you for listening to Life Church with you. At Life Church, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. Are you guys ready to hear the word? Because I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because how many of you have ever had a week where you feel like everything just kind of falls apart? Like, oh, it's just me. You guys are super Christians. It's just me. I just have, there are weeks where you feel like, it's a barrage. I don't know how else to explain it. The things that happen to you, it's not anything you did. Listen, I don't believe, I'm just not a believer that the Lord is punishes those. I don't think he's a punisher, okay? I think that sometimes things happen in life and you have one of two ways to look at those things. Are you with me? You could either look at it as maybe God has left me or has abandoned me or you could look at it from the vantage point of I must be doing something right. I've been walking with the Lord long enough now that I acknowledge when certain things happen to me, or certain things are said about me, or certain things come my way that, that, that are just unexpected. I didn't do anything, it just hits me. I start to think to myself, I must be doing something that's making the devil mad. How many of you know the devil does not want a body, a group of people that are alive? On the flip side of that, just because the building has thousands of people does not mean the building is alive. Not against thousands of people. But I'm just saying sometimes we categorize things as success that, they're, listen, movie theaters every single day, 50 times a day have thousands of people, but the Holy Ghost isn't there. So what we need is a group of people that are hungry, they're desperate, they're desperate for Jesus. You say, well, I don't have to be. I don't know, man. You look at people in the Bible and there was a certain desperation. There was something inside of them that, that was alive. We talk about the disciples, these men that Jesus came across. And he looked at them and there was this there was this invitation, come follow me from all walks of life. Tax collectors, physicians, fishermen. There was no stereotype for what fit into who can follow Jesus. But yet he would come up to them and he would say, Come, and they would drop their nets. They would leave their jobs. And we often talk about the price, right? The price that those people paid. Well, it must have been hard, I'm not so sure. Not so sure. There was something about the words of Jesus. When he came up to them and he said, Come, it's as if something in their spirit came alive. Something inside of them said, I've been living my whole life searching. And all of a sudden, the words of this man, something in my spirit says, Yes. And so it doesn't pain me to drop my nets. It doesn't pain me to invest because I get to follow the one, the way oh man are you ready I just I just know I just know I just I was telling Garrett this morning outside, something something's gonna happen and listen it doesn't have to happen it doesn't have to be a bomb it's it's about you realizing what is inside of you revival is not a meeting we talk a lot about revival right we contend it's one of the things that this church when we first came we said we believe the Lord is bringing revival but what if revival is not a moment What if it's not this thing that happens and all of a sudden revival is here? What if it is people coming alive to the reality of what is inside of them? What if the moment you said yes to Jesus, everything you needed to walk in kingdom and in fullness was put inside of you? That's what your Bible says. Listen, Graham Crook, I read something this week that just I, I was so blown away. He said, the word revival is not in your Bible. You know what is in your Bible? The fullness of Christ. Christ in you. Fullness of this. The hope. It's it's everything that God has put inside of you to accomplish every dream that is in your heart. Well, you say, well, I just don't don't see myself that way. It doesn't matter. Your job is not to identify how you see yourself. It's to ask the Holy Spirit, teach me how you see me. Help me to walk in new light. Help me when I see a giant to have the boldness as a young kid with little rocks to walk up and know I know whom I serve. Oh, yeah. That something would rise up on the inside of me that I would not retreat because we do that, right? When opposition comes our way, we think, well, it must be time to retreat. But it's the moment where we push all of our chips in. Where we are at the cusp that that something. Listen, there are people that are struggling with things that, that I haven't struggled with for years. And I'm not taken back. I'm not surprised. Because when you begin to walk... In divine destiny. And when what God has for you, you better believe the devil will throw things at you. But the Bible says that you are an overcomer. Yes. By the blood of the lamb and the word of your, his testimony. His testimony are the healings, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the goodness, the provision, the joy, the peace. That is his testimony. It's the story of a drug out a kid. Who God pulled out. Me. It's the story of the people in depression who God grips out and he says, I choose you. And you say, well, I don't even choose myself. He says, it doesn't matter. I died for you. I'm too excited for you guys today. I'm too excited. Because I feel like a lot of times we come to church and, and I've talked to you about this. We, we teach on humanistic things, right? This is how you cope. This is how you over, this is how, you, until, until God comes. But what if, what if the kingdom of God advances and darkness really does overcome light? Yeah. Now we don't live with this thing, well, the devil throws at me, said it backwards. Light overcomes darkness. Thank you to my wife. She's like, you always say things backwards. That's what happens when you don't use notes and you're just going. Thank you, baby. But what happens when you live with the reality that no matter what darkness comes at you, light overcomes darkness every single time. It doesn't even matter. Listen, it doesn't even matter how big the light is. The moment the light is turned on, darkness has to flee. It no longer exists. And what the devil does to us is he, 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 he gets us to believe this lie where you have to live with this. People say, well... Well, I don't pray for people and they don't always get healed, so God must not always want to heal. It's not true. We don't base truth off of our experience. My problem with that is I never saw Jesus walk up to somebody and say, well, well, you're going to suffer with this sickness for this purpose. He never did it. We do that, right? God uses this and he can use anything. But the truth is that he paid, he took stripes on his back. quiet he took stripes on his back so we can walk in fullness not searching for fullness not even contending for fullness not striving for fullness but realizing that the moment ah the moment i said yes it was put inside of me that i was baptized and my old man died and a new man arose Read it, bro. Read it and understand that it is truth. Well, it doesn't, me and Bood were talking. Buddha goes, you know what's the difference between truth and a fact? I said, explain to me, Bood. My friend. He says to me, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, how many plants were there in the solar system? And I was like, I have no idea, Bud. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Tell me. He's like, well, there were nine. That was, that was That was fact. There were nine planets in the solar system. He goes, but now the kids who are growing up in school, they're being taught that there's eight. Because somehow Pluto missed out on blah, blah, blah. And now the fact has changed. And many times, right, in life we live our lives based off fact and we call them truths. It may be a fact that there's sickness in your body right now, but it's not truth. It may be a fact that your life may be in disarray and you don't see a path. But the good thing Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to me will receive eternal life. All of it. Not, not a piece of it. We're not, waiting. Uh, we're not waiting until Jesus comes back to live in fullness, people. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's why people come to church for six months and they're on fire for Jesus and then they can't live up because they're striving and they leave. Because they're being preached a partial gospel. Yeah. It's a piece. It may be partially true, but it's not the whole truth, man. Right. And so what does it look like for people to rise up and contend for revival and realize that revival is more than a moment. It is a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like me walking in fullness, me trusting him, me believing. Jesus walks up to the disciples. John 15, one of my favorite passages. You need to memorize it, man. About Abiding. If you remain, let's read it. I wasn't even going to do this, but we're going to go, we're going to go. John 15. We're going there. Are you alive? I'm going to give you a second because hopefully you open up your Bible so that it gets inside of you. This word needs to be inside of you. Listen, and it needs to lead you into an Bible knowledge without Bible experience is half of the equation and it produces no fruit. This word has to lead you to something. More than just knowledge, into an experience of who he is. Every day, that that the Holy Spirit would unveil a new level of his goodness, of his mercy, of his hope. Every single day, you have to, it is bread. More than you need food, more than you need air, you need truth. And to walk in truth. And so here's some truth for you. Jesus is speaking and he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that does not produce fruit. Hello, that's good news. What if the reason you're going through something right now is not because the devil is attacking you, but because the Lord is chopping off things on you that are not supposed to be. I am the gardener and I chop off everything in your life that does not, does not produce fruit. How many of you would like to produce fruit? Yes. Then there are going to be seasons in your life where the Lord is going to take away people, take away situations, even sometimes resources. Because we become, we become secure in things that we're never supposed to be secure in. We do. And we don't even see it. I don't have a problem with anybody having money. The problem is when money has you. And there are things in our life that they attach themselves, and this is what he's talking about. That there are things in our life, and he's severing and he's cutting off so that you can produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not produce fruit, so they will produce more fruit. So there was a season in your life where there was something that was producing fruit, but it's now a new season. There was a branch that at one time that thing produced fruit in your life, but it's time to sever that branch so something new can grow to produce even more fruit. This is why we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. And we have to listen because God doesn't do things the same way all the time. He's moving. And you may look at that branch and you may want to protect that branch and that's the way God moves. It may have been the way he moved in 2010. And his breath might have been on that branch, but it's a new day. But you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given to you. What is the message? You need to read it. That you are alive. You are dead to sin. The fullness of the gospel is in you. The Holy Spirit is alive in you to walk, do. He said greater things will you do. This is the message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Oh, it's quiet. Should I preach 12 steps to hope? 12 steps to get your hope back. Should I preach it? 12 steps to feel better. Listen to this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Promise. Highlight it, mark it. If you remain in me, if you abide, if you rest in me, if you make yourself at home in me, I will make myself at home with you. If you will, then I will. If my people who are called by my name may humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, and pray, then I will heal their land. If you, then I. You say, well, God, listen, this is the problem we have in church today. That we expect God to do everything and we forget that he wants to co-labor with us. That we are in union with him. Well, I'm just waiting on God's plan. You are God's plan. It's you. Well, I just don't feel. I don't understand. You don't feel because you're not walking in purpose. The worst thing you can do for your life is walk outside of your purpose. Because you will feel things that you're never meant to feel in your life. You remain. You abide. And the promise is he will remain in you. And I want to drop down to verse 14. Verse 14. Because here, here's, here's what the Lord was speaking to me this week, right? It was, it was a promotion that happened. Where they were invited to walk with Jesus. They left their jobs. They, they saw Jesus do things. You got to realize that they did not even comprehend. We read the Bible and we are familiar with the healings. With the demoniacs coming and him casting. This is normal to us. But this was not normal in their day. All they knew was Law. All they knew was Torah. All they knew was rules and regulations. And here comes Jesus and he changes the game. And they feel, I would feel like it would, I would be doing okay as if just to sit in the presence of this king. That would be my attitude. I've been serving religion for so long and I did not see life, but now I walk with Jesus. And now the lame walk. The blind see. The crippled. And this was their everyday life, how they lived their life. And now Jesus comes and their mentality is, right, I'm a slave. This man is my king. Oh, and here comes the promotion. He says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. He says, verse 15, I no longer call you slaves. This is a mental shift. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in the slaves. Now you are my friends. And since I have told you everything the father told me, and He goes even further, you didn't choose me. You did not choose him. His love, his agape love pursued you. The reason you are sitting here today with any measure of hope in your heart is because you were pursued by a loving God. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you. What am I called to do? Mark it, underline it, blah, blah, whatever you want to do. What am I called to do? I have appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. It's why we don't believe in a gospel of lack. Because the progression is if I remain in him and if I abide, his promise is he will remain in me. And as he remains in me, I move from a slave to a friend. It's crazy. Because anybody can serve at a anybody can serve at a slave level, right? You you say I obey, but there's something different about friendship. It no longer goes from fear. It's no longer about fear of punishment. You understand? You got to be so secure in your salvation that you don't even worry about the heaven hell issue anymore. You got to move past that. It's not about sin. It's not about the devil. It's about abiding and knowing that you're moving. You are no longer a slave. You are now a friend. So you no longer worry. Oh, I wonder. I wonder if God's mad at me. I wa- it's not about that, man. The transition is like this I wonder if I hurt his heart. It's not about punishment. It's not about taking whips on the back and God taking from me because he's angry with me. There have been times in my life, this is when I knew that that, that, that transition happened, where I would come to the Lord, what do you want to do? And the Lord would say, well, what do you want to do? Because that's the way friendship works. In slavery, it's okay. You ask and they command. But in friendship, you consider the other person. How do you want to handle that? Dude, there have been times, oh, I'm not, not going to say that. There have been times where I've said stuff, the Lord will. I didn't even hear it. I didn't even hear it. The Lord shall. And it's like, I'll amen that because I'm your friend. You understand what I'm saying, that mentality? It's what the people of Israel struggled with. Why they could not make it into the promise and why lots of people don't make it into the promise today. Why they separate themselves from the pastor And say, I will come to receive, and I will come to hear words, but I don't want to experience, because experience means I have to get rid of some stuff. Experience leads us to pruning, and pruning doesn't feel good, and I want to feel good because I'm worried about me. People of Israel walking through the desert, fire, cloud by day, fire by night, their issue was not God. Their issue was not Moses. Their issue was they were free people still living with the identity of a slave. Even when they crossed over, even when they crossed over into the promise, it is so quiet, it's great. You guys, even when they crossed over into the promise, there was a transition that happened. And it's a type and shadow of what we live in today. Manna no longer fell from the sky. Their clothes no longer grew. They stepped into the promise and all of a sudden somebody had the sniffles. Because they had divine health. You, We read over this, man. This is old covenant. These people did not get sick. The Lord provided food. It was a different world. Now they step into the promise and they're waiting for manna to fall and it's like, da-da-da. there's no manna. The bread's not fallen they're playing outside and there's holes in their clothes. Doesn't make sense, God. 40 years. They had transitioned into a new season. Some call it an epic season where the Lord was no longer doing for them, he was doing through them. Where he would now now just not provide for them, but he would bless what they did. Oh my gosh. And so we come to church. Lord do. But but what if he's waiting on you? Does the Lord want to speak? That's not a trick question. It's this big time. One of these like break your neck. He wants to speak. And he's looking for people that would be yielded to his presence, that would be a that you would be a microphone for his voice everywhere you go. Do not let injustice pass you by. It's not about picketing and standing on a box. It's about speaking truth in love. You draw a line in the sand and you say, that is not gospel because gospel's rooted in love. Oh, man. You draw a line in the sand. Big time. Listen, it's easy for us to love. For me, I'm going to be honest. It's easy for me to love the drug addict, the homosexual. Sometimes it's hard for me to love the religious. But they're just as deceived. And so as a church, because I feel like that's the culture here. We accept everybody who loves homosexuals. But the Lord is calling us to bring truth to people who can't see, that are stuck in religion. They're bonded. They're in bondage. We are a church where anybody walks in from any walk of life and they belong. When they belong, they believe. And when they believe, they become. It is who we are. I don't care if they're homosexual. I don't care... Oh, uh, the Lord's going to bring revival in the, in that area in that arena of, of homosexuals you got to hear it. He is. As soon as we stop preaching hate. As soon as it happens. As soon as we say you belong. That you belong when you blah 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 blah. You belong. God loves you. You don't want to hear it. There's only three people amen in cuz it makes people uncomfortable. It's only because it makes people uncomfortable because they want pastors to say they are an abomination. God God forgive us, bro. God forgive us. Because to God, our gossip looks just as bad as their as their act. You want to draw a line in the sand? Gluttony. Homosexuality, he sees it the same. Just clear the air. And so he's looking for people that would be yielded. That they would realize that revival is not a moment. It's a realization of what's inside. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's expanding. Every single day you grow with him and you move with him and you allow him to teach you. Listen, you don't need, I'm not saying, I I come every week and I try to teach you, but the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. He is the perfect teacher. And he will lead you into all truth. You say, well, what is truth? Oh, gosh, thank you, dude. Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. He is the perfect representation. You want to know, I don't understand Christianity. You look at how he handled the girl caught in adultery. You look at how he handled because much of, am I babbling? Are you okay? Okay. Much of how we see acts towards God today is a woman comes in and she breaks the alabaster jar to anoint Jesus' feet. And we look at it and we say, we don't get it. It doesn't take all that. The disciples, you would have thought somebody would have got it right. The disciples were like, we could have used that money to do this. And Jesus is like, stop it. Because we've created a culture of doing, right? Got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do, do, do. And it's a bunch of doo-doo. It's all it is. Just a bunch of doo-doo. I'm not saying you don't do stuff. We need, we have, we have areas where you can serve. I'm saying if your identity is rooted in serving and the moment you don't feel you don't feel acknowledged you feel insecure then you have false security. Then you found yourself in a place where you're searching and searching for for validation and a place that is only found attached to the true vine. People say stuff man and you know why it doesn't affect me because I know truth. I've spent time With him, and I know who he is. So it doesn't matter what people say, I've surrendered my mind to him, and I've allowed him to speak into my mind and to speak truth. And I've positioned myself to receive. You realize that the posture of your heart is important. The way you position your heart, God's trying to throw. He's trying to throw and he's trying to give and impart. He really is. He's trying to help you realize, but the position of your part, you said, Well, say, Well, I don't have to do anything. Listen, there was a woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, who she was lacking for twelve years. And the moment Jesus walked by, the way, same way he was walking through the room today, there was something inside of her that said, I have to touch him. It's desperation. It's something inside of me that says, I have to have him. I don't care. I'll push through the masses. I'll do whatever I have to do to just touch the hem of his garment. Because if I have him, I have everything. It's the truth you have to live in. There was a little guy who climbed up on a tree. Jesus is walking by. Crowds of people. Instead of waiting and saying, Well, if Jesus wants me, he'll come to me. The attitude of a lot of churchmen Jesus, if you want me, come. Not him. Climbs up on a tree. Prophetic act, man. He is positioning himself to have an encounter with Jesus. He has a true encounter with Jesus, invites Jesus into his home. And what Jesus and his encounter with Jesus affected him so much that he went back and repaid, I think it was like four times everything he had stolen. Because when you really encounter Jesus, part of the process is restitution. It looks like something more than I'm sorry. Revival. When will it fall? When we're ready. Will it fall? Or is it already inside of you? You guys start asking the right questions to get the right answers. Because what if we're contending for something that's already here? What if you're never meant to contend? What if you're meant to surrender, abide, and rest? What if you're meant to every day yield? What does surrender mean? You yield yourself. You say, I'm here for you. I surrender myself. I stop. In a world full of go. I stop and I abide. Remain in me, you remain. I remain in you if you remain in me. And I rest in his presence and I allow his presence to wash over me. Every day. It's not, it's not about doing. It's about remaining in the Holy Spirit and allowing his presence to wash over you. And here's the last thing I want to say to you. If I don't say anything else. We need to have resolve. Last week I talked about dreams, dreams being realized, and the power of a dream. And about how if you want a dream, then you need to pursue and trust God for Him to speak into your life. But I, I don't think the reason that we don't see dreams realized is because God's not giving out dreams. I think it's because we give up way too early. I'm always reminded, I don't know if you guys know this, like maybe two years ago now, I was like 325 pounds, I was a big boy. Me and Taco Bell had some unnatural sotas. It was, this was my rule with my wife, we're going to go eat out. If you don't tell me where we're going to go, I'm driving to the nearest Taco Bell. You have from here to Taco Bell to decide what you want. And I remember the Lord speaking to me about needing to lose weight. He's like, you need to lose weight, man. You're out of balance. You're preaching, you're preaching something you're not even living. I'm not that guy. Can't do it. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to download this little app. I'm going to go run. You already heard the the app, Couch to 5K. I was big, right? I'm running. We were living in a whole different town an hour and a half from here. I'm running. Feeling good about myself. Losing weight. Doing it. Want a burrito. Nope, that's the devil. And I'm running, and it has you running for a minute. And about like midway through, this fatigue hit my body. Like my body was like, what are you doing? This is not who you are. And, and I had this cramp, and like, I don't know if anybody was inside, but literally my body just like shut down. And I was like, and I fell. <laughs> and I'm sitting in this person's yard, and I was like, this is so stupid. And, and I, I went down this road, right, of losing weight, and I did, I did all kinds of stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, the resolve that it took. I lost like 100 pounds. But the resolve that it took to see something happen that Jesus spoke to me. The resolve that it takes for you I think it's why the Bible says, "When you have a vision, write it down and make it plain. Continue your Bible. Write it down, make it plain, because you need something in front of you to continue pursuing. And to dream over. And there are times where I dream. And the Lord goes, throw it away. It's time for something bigger. But if I didn't take that first step, I couldn't get the second. You can't get to third grade without graduating second, baby boy. Doesn't work that way. There's a story in the Bible of a man who wrestled with an angel, wrestled with the Lord. You guys remember the story? Jacob, believing for a blessing. And I think it's what we need in the church today, man. He grabbed a hold of that thing and he wrestled with it for God knows how long. But he wouldn't let go of it until he received his blessing. And I think it's what we see in the church a lot today. We're wrestling. We're wrestling with ourselves. We're wrestling with principalities, whatever the devil throws at us. And it's like you begin to question, is it even worth it? And the answer to that question is yes. (laughs) It's the wrong question. You wrestle and you hold on and you say, "Lord, I'm I'm believing for my blessing." But too many people they let go right before, and they miss, man. They miss out on dreams. I believe the church should be some of the biggest dreamers, leading in every avenue of life. They should be dreaming over businesses. They should be dreaming over marketplace. We should be leading in the church because God has divine strategies and he's waiting for people to listen. Not just for ministry. Marketplace is ministry. If you have a business, you, if you ask the Lord to give you strategy, he will. He'll speak and he won't only speak, he'll breathe on that thing.